everyone. Okay. Welcome to this episode of I Want to Know. I'm Ryan. And I'm Amy. Kyle. And I'm Julia. And Kyle's going to introduce our topic. Oh. <laughs> Surprise. Uh, the topic is what kind of responsibility do creators of franchises with large fan bases have to create the kind of content and stories that their fans desire. And frankly, I want to know this because I'm a little upset about some franchises. I'm sure they'll come up. We'll see which ones you can tell. Maybe I'm a little more charged up about. I don't know. We'll see. Going to have to add in some like spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. Bleeps, probably. I mean, honestly, spoilers though, for me, too. So. Honestly, though, the whole thing is just going to be one big spoiler because we're talking True. about major arcs for all these series. So if we mention a series and you haven't seen it and you want to see it with no spoilers, yeah. just just don't talk about it. Right. Just don't listen to it. But like Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter, those have been out for so long. If you have, you should already yeah. know. Right. Or it. it's, right. yeah. The ability. Right. Yep. I mean, because <laughs> let's be honest. Everybody needs to see Orlando Bloom as an elf, and if you haven't, like that's just on you. It's it's a you need, it's a duty to yourself to go see him, <laughs> in all of his archer glory. It's Do you a... remember that poster I used to have? Mm-hmm. When Maddie mm-hmm. and I were obsessed with him. Well, I'm still obsessed <laughs> with him, but that's just me. <laughs> well, and then Pirates of the Caribbean came out, and I did not like that look. Sorry, I know, hot take. <gasps> I was very upset. I was like, what happened to Orlando Bloom? Well, it was like too soon. Face? It was too soon after Lord of the Rings. Like, if you would have had something, like, if you would have had Black Hawk Down, like, right in between there, you know, and had, like, some transition. But he was still coming off of, like, Lord of the Rings glory. See, I'd have to disagree. I was totally on board. With the Pirates of the Caribbean look? Mm Mm-hmm. It was, like, an upgrade? I don't know about upgrade. Mm, But it was, like, a nice side. It was the the other side of the penny that was equally shiny. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Orlando Bloom is arguably the Adam Driver of the 2000s. Okay. Oh, uh, okay. Whoa. Just as far as, like, the sex symbol that didn't want to be a sex symbol but ended up being a sex symbol. You know what? I hate the phrase sex symbol. (laughs) Kyle, did you have any specific questions? Uh. I mean, the first one was... Right, I guess. It's a responsibility. (laughs) That's what keys around. How much responsibility. Right. Do we think that they have? All right. For a second, though, and I know you've kind of already told me this, but I think it was too fresh the couple times that we could have talked about it. Could you rehash in as much detail (laughs) as you are willing your reaction to the last Star Wars movie? Oh, man. Wow. It's okay to cry. I will try. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think that overall it was, I felt very let down at the end of the movie and that's I mean I think that regardless of whether I was valid in feeling that or not in regards to how much responsibility the creator has to you know fan service his fans basically (laughs) it's that that's how I felt and um I think that a lot of it was that you know they were put in a really hard spot taking these characters um from, you know, episodes four, five, six, Han, Leia, Luke, yeah. and, you know, bringing them into this new chapter, however many years down the road, you know, and there's just a lot of weight, you know, of, of responsibility 
in whatever direction they took with that, that it was, it was going to be tricky, you know? And so I tried to go into it with that in mind, but even so I felt like JJ really pulled his own agenda into it. And that I think is where, you know, we get to the question of like, where, like, well, was it really his responsibility in the first place to, you know, create something that is just gonna make everybody happy or and like how much of it is his responsibility as the director to create a creative artistic piece um you know doing what he is has been asked to do and that is to direct the film so I don't know but I know that I didn't I wasn't happy at the end of the movie I think there were a lot of things that were heartbreaking and some of them I can accept as you know just necessary because life is heartbreaking sometimes Um, But I think that he pulled a lot of punches where he really didn't need to. Mm. And, spoilers, Chewie should have died. But, you know, that's that's just another very personal specific example. from. (laughs) Not that you have a vendetta. No, 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 no. no. I don't have anything against Chewie. (laughs) He's great. He's great. He's just really old. Because I just haven't seen it, so I don't know what makes sense or what doesn't. Your friends oh, right. are dead, so it, you should be too. Why are you like a hundred years old or something? <laughs> it's like two hundred, I think. He's like a hundred and eighty or something when he met Han. He's really old. He's so old. And wow. at the end of the movie, all you can think is like Chewie, like citing Trevor Noah's trap track. All my friends are dead now. It's like, well, okay, yeah, that's actually true for 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 Chewie's life. Thank you, Trevor. It's all it's too really close to the point now. Okay. We're laughing, but it's horrible. So did J.J. Abrams directed it? Yes. And it's my understanding that directing a film is different than writing a film. True. But the director has the final say over what the finished product is going to look like. So he has all the hands in the cookie jars about, like, the expression that each scene is supposed to emit and you know obviously the actors have a huge part of that as well and the director's gonna if he sees something that he likes then he might just go with that but overall the um the director gets to say i don't like that i want it to be more like this to the writers so even if they come up with you know five different scripts and they they land on okay this one you know is what we are excited about the director can look at it and go, ah, I'm more excited about this one. And then, you know, maybe they integrate some of it. But but overall, it's really, I mean, that's why, you know, they're the ham and eggs, you know, because they they hold the power of, like, the final say in what goes up on the screen. Ham and, and eggs are, being? Like, uh... The beefy part of your breakfast? The, <laughs> yeah, <the> protein <laughs> packs the punch. I don't know, it's just saying I've heard, but... <laughs> So the break, your whole complete breakfast is yes. the creative team. They're the captain. They're the captain that's driving yes. the ship. Ham and eggs is captain of my breakfast. If they don't yes. want to accelerate, <laughs> change direction navigationally. I feel like that's just a term cetera. I haven't heard. That, like it's a normal it's thing all... that you just said, <laughs> and then I just didn't it's understand. It's a psych reference, if we're being honest. So oh, okay. it's, um, yeah. And okay. <laughs> so. That does make me feel better, but I, I mean, do the director is just the, yeah. the son of cut Everyone bacon. Everyone does. Ooh. No, is that another thing? <laughs> uh, I just I was trying to bring in breakfast metaphors. Huh. That's a whole other episode. Is what's the deal with center cut bacon? <laughs> and we're not going to do it right now. <laughs> As opposed to so center pulled regular bacon. bacon. <laughs> center pulled bacon. Oh. <laughs> 
You know, in one of those greasy magazines. I was going to oh. say, isn't there, isn't oh. like the phrase food porn is a thing, right? Yes. <laughs> so Whenever I see that hashtag, I get so uncomfortable. So I think that you bring up a good point because a lot of it does Obviously. fall on directors. <laughs> At the same time, though, too, I think that something that I didn't understand for a long time um, was that directors can often have a lot of pressure put on them from producers mm-hmm. because producers dictate timelines and timeline can mandate that art doesn't get the time that the director needs to complete their vision. Isn't producer just like a fancy word for financier? Yeah. Basically, yeah. <laughs> yes. Somebody who has a what stock in the in the finished product basically pretty much that's why i love it when i see in the credits like faint like actors who have already made it like when we were watching the path all three of the main characters were the producers yeah so it's like aaron paul is using all of his breaking bad dollars to make you know el camino and the path and probably other good stuff so stuff like that here's the thing and I just double-checked it to make sure All right. I was not being inaccurate here. But guess who produced episode nine? Abrams. Yeah. But. Oh. But. <laughs> Along with Kennedy. Kathleen Kennedy and Michelle. Raywan? Right. Ray, man. Michelle R. But let's be honest. <laughs> Kennedy is a type of person to get what she wants out of the people that are responsible to her. And in this case... Abrams was very much responsible to her. And she is very much responsible to shareholders. And so this... Yeah. So we this should be mad at... Sounds... Because, well, but Star and Wars, everyone but, with Disney stock. So, like, so, so episode, episode 9, right, was released during Christmas, which, for most companies, is near the end of a quarter. A lot of companies, you know, it'll, it, it might be very what quarter it is for them, but it's going to be near the end of a quarter for, for something. And Star Wars is going to give them that punch that they need to have a great quarterly statement. At least that's my understanding. But, man, I don't know jack squat about the movie industry. Okay, but I felt like mostly, uh, like, I don't know, I haven't looked into, I guess, how much that would have affected the storyline that was put out and why, you know, like how it would have affected that. But uh, from the other side of it, I have read a lot of articles talking about the, um, J- just the motivation that Abrams brought in to episode nine, having started with episode seven and then walking away and handing, you know, the baton to Ryan. What's it? Yeah, yeah Ryan. And um, then coming back and feeling like he had unfinished business and feeling like he had to do all these, to tie to make these story plot decisions with these characters that we love and do it to meet his own ends and do it in a way to um, cut off ideas that Ryan had run with that he disagreed with. And so sacrificing the characters for the sake of furthering a plot that was really just about his agenda at that point as opposed to taking something and building off of it 
you know, and, and letting go, you know, and, and that's why I don't know how much responsibility um, can fall. Like, I like the question that we're talking about. It's really tricky with Star Wars because it's been such a long, I mean, it's like a 40 year long journey of different people picking up this story and continuing to build with these characters. And it's really hard, especially with these last three, because you have these two directors that leapfrogged, you know, or Abrams, I guess, just leapfrogged. And and you see this very specific direction that Ryan started moving the characters. And you could say the Jedi universe, the Force, all these new ideas coming into play. And then Abrams saying, nope, I want it this way. So I think that beyond what he did to the characters, which I disagreed with many of the decisions that were made for the characters, um, and, you know, not getting into spoilers, but... Um, but you but, totally can't, <laughs> is, what, is what we're saying. We're putting right, a spoiler right, right, alert right. on here. If you don't right. want this spoiled, then save this episode So for I don't later. like that Ben died. <laughs> I feel like the whole point was... You know, the Rise of Sky... Like, I hate that he titled it Rise of Skywalker and still had Ben Solo die. I feel like having Rey say Rey Skywalker at the end defeats the whole idea of of what the Force is and how it's not about bloodlines and all of these other ideas that Ryan was trying to incorporate in. Having Rey come from, a no, you know, being a nobody and then, um, you know, Abrams just smashing that with... She's a Palpatine, suckers! And, you know, mm. ugh, ugh, so many, ugh. And then the novelization came out, and apparently Palpatine was not, it wasn't Palpatine's son, it was a clone of Palpatine! What? So how messed up is that? I mean, it just keeps getting worse. So, you know, it's, it just, you know, you pull your hair out. But, um, wow, I don't even know where I was going with this at the point. I just got so mad. Um, that sounds really weird. <laughs> it, it's... But, um, you know, that's just my personal opinion. So um, that's just diving into all of the things that really irked me as a, as someone who grew up with Star Wars and really enjoyed the characters. I felt betrayed by what Abrams did in his creation, specifically with Episode Nine. Mm-hmm. You know, so... I know that directors have to just make a decision and and go with it and that somebody's going to be sad at the end of the day. But um. It is hard to watch that f- trilogy and not feel like episode nine wasted more than half its time just fighting with episode eight. Mm. Yeah. Instead of furthering the plot that had the the arcs that had been established in seven and eight, whether we liked the arcs that were established in seven and then the direction that they, the trajectory that they started Mm -hmm. to take in eight, there's something to be said about just finishing a plot line Mm -hmm. instead of overcorrecting back to what you thought it was going to be. Or you wanted it to be. Right, or what you wanted it to be. I mean, do do plot lines ever really have, like, a natural conclusion? I mean, sometimes. Yeah, like the end, absolutely. Like, the fourth absolutely. season of Chuck would have been the perfect ending to Chuck. Mm. 
But then they got renewed and had oh to do God, that no, whole weird thing with Morgan. Up. And then it ended with Sarah just being Spoilers. weird. And yeah. <laughs> and like you pointed out a while ago, it just, it didn't. Chuck is like, like for four seasons, four and a half even, it was like a really goofy show with just like these magical endings that came out of nowhere because that's how the show goes. Spoilers for Chuck, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe you should just make a list in the episode page. <laughs> just like, right. these are all the things that will be ruined But for I you. feel like Chuck is really in there with some of the other ones you yeah, mentioned. Yeah, for like, sure. Okay, so if you haven't you, seen you it, whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you pointed out that... Um, it doesn't, season five ends unlike any other of the seasons and any other of the episodes and just in a completely unfamiliar way. Yeah, it's like not cohesive. It feels wrong. Like you're right. just like, oh, okay, going along. And suddenly right. at the end you're like, wait, what show am I watching? And that's, right. but the rules I mean, that, all changed. That's like the, the whole premise of plot twists in movies and those are intentional but it was like it like chuck for example felt like it took a it was like a genre change yeah it was like for for four seasons it was like a melodrama with a lot of like tongue-in-cheek um culture pop culture references and then all of a sudden season five they're like we gotta be a real drama we gotta get our er drama in here we got our <laughs> Grey's anatomy drama in here we gotta get our 24 drama in here and it was like oh good gravy like just be you yeah. Make it crazy, but then fix it all tidily. Right. Yeah. And then uh, that, that also kind of brings up the the um, the idea that content producers need to make money. And sometimes making money looks like taking your content in a direction that you maybe maybe didn't want to originally. Maybe trying to to appeal to a wider audience that maybe was excluded by, you know, earlier seasons or whatever. Can you give me an example? Um, well, I mean, I guess we're talking about uh, the genre change from season uh, four to five in Chuck. And it, it sounds like there was some sort of production, um, some sort of pressure or tension or something that caused this, this, um, this shift in tone that otherwise may not have been there originally because of the, the production schedule or the way that they needed to come back. They needed to, to do something after season four even though they maybe didn't expect a season five to even come. And so they ended season four the way that they would have liked to. But when they found out, oh, we actually have a season five, then having to make these different sort of decisions um, to, to try and do something bigger to wrap it up. I don't, I don't know if, if that's necessarily like a, like a budget thing or trying to, to make money off it, but... I mean, there are a lot of things that you can boil down to financial issues, at least in, in um, like, television and Hollywood. Mm. I, I think this, I mean, for me, I guess it, a lot of this is starting to steer towards the large, larger conversation of, like, what are the main points that 
I consume these media forms. And a lot of the times it's because I want to feel something inspiring, thought provoking, or otherwise edifying, something that will build me up, right? It's why Remember the Titans is my favorite movie. <laughs> I don't think it's the best movie out there, right? But every single time I watch that movie, I feel like I want to be a better person. <laughs> um, yeah, that's like Silver Linings Playbook for me, except that it is the best movie out there. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, and that's how I feel after I finish About Time. Absolutely. Something I have decided that like things that like something that is true of all my favorite art is it's it takes me somewhere I couldn't go in real life but gives me something I can bring to my real life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And going back to the especially the difference between <laughs> episode 8 and episode 9 the big difference in uh, in Chuck between season 4 and season 5 it feels like something broke but we don't know what happened and yeah. when that happens to us in life it's shocking Aww. and we can't proceed until we figure out what happened while we were gone yeah and so it's it's, it's shocking and we're stuck there going, wait, what is happening to me? And nobody is giving you answers. And instead they're saying, oh, just listen to the story. This is, what this is a story we're telling. And, and the whole time, whenever, I fe- whenever I'm approached with a circumstance w- w- like that, I feel like, no, 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 stop. You got to tell me what's happening, where we're going, because I don't get it anymore. It's like, it's like if, so, if I came home and... Uh, like if I met, like if I met, uh, if I met somebody, if I met my family at a party and everybody was super sad and people kept coming up and they were like, we're really sorry about what happened. You know, it's just, uh, it's just, it's awful. And I'd be like, what is happening? Right. And they're like, don't, don't worry about it. Just enjoy the party. Like you're here now. Like, let's have a good time. Like what? And everybody kept coming up, you know, to to my wife and being like, you know, it's just it's really it's just really sad. And we're here for you. I I eventually I would just be like, stop it. OK, party's over. Somebody tell me what happened. It sounds like a really bad dream. <laughs> it sounds yeah, like it a really bad dream. Right. And yeah. that's what nine felt like for me. <laughs> I was going to ask. That's what nine felt like for me. I, I came into it going, OK, where are we going to go with all these arcs from eight? That had like started in seven, and then yeah, Ryan took it a different direction and started to change the arc of some of these characters that I think were established in seven, right? And then, but instead of nine finishing them in whatever sad, tragic, otherwise like poignant, heartbreaking way that Abrams might have ended it, instead, so many of these characters, instead of like finishing their trajectory. They get turned back around and he tries to steer them onto his original trajectory. And so you feel like I felt lost. Like mm. I don't like Rose. I, I absolutely, I'm, I'm just bored. I'm bored every single time in eight when I watch Finn and Rose's storyline together, just bored. And I hate, I hate 
that she saves him at the end of it, of, of eight. It's so dumb. And then she passes out. Wait, is right. she the Asian? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you're only willing to say that because you're Filipino. <laughs> Wait, uh, why? Because um, it's not okay to identify people by race. Got it. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Race is a social construct. True. Anyway. Well, that's a whole other episode. Kyle. No, no. <laughs> I'm so bored and I'm so frustrated with that storyline. But then in nine, what's even more disjointed, shocking, and confusing to me is how they don't do anything with it. Right. So I'm supposed to believe that this conflict has gotten crazier and these two characters have not done anything together? I get We get nothing about them. We get nothing about them. So right. what are they do? Finn, did I, too. I mean, like, he doesn't, he doesn't have, take Finn anywhere interesting right. either. He's just kind of like, okay, and ta-da, he's Force-sensitive. Surprise! Surprise. Like, okay, I knew that from, like, The Force Awakens. You can tell. <laughs> you can but, tell. Um, yeah, it just... What broke why? between eight and nine? So that also kind of um, is, I guess, a little bit different than the the idea that was or the the question that was presented at the the beginning was what sort of responsibility do creators have to the fans Mm -hmm. and this uh talking about about hollywood and television there are so many different factors at play and that the uh they don't actually have the control over those sorts of things like the control of the way that the, the the franchise, like the direction that the franchise takes, is ultimately determined by a lot of outside factors that the the people creating it may don't necessarily have the last say on, mm-hmm. or at least have some sort of really strong outside pressure. And so, and Star Wars as being an example is really kind of kind of an interesting sort of franchise to talk about because. A lot of the way that it's been developed almost feels like it's an open source project because so many different hands over the years have been touching it and influencing. And there are so many things that are canon, but they have to all work together. Dungeons and Dragons is a great example of this, right? Of uh, something that is developed slowly over time, multiple hands touching it, story that's developed multiple over a long time with multiple hands touching it. And one of the things that I feel like keeps projects like that together is when they follow the rules, some of the basic rules of improv. Mm. Like not saying no. Not saying no. Which it sounds like episode nine did a lot of. Episode nine did a lot of saying no (laughs) to episode eight, which breaks one of the biggest rules of improv. If somebody gives you something that you don't understand or you don't agree with, you don't tell them that that's not what's happening. You take it and you do what you can to build off of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And I I thought of another thing which doesn't completely piggyback off of that, but I feel like you kind of wrapped that up nicely. <laughs> um, it's a very good point. Um, which I had read um, recently that... One of the punches that Abrams pulled was not putting to sleep, killing C-3PO. <laughs> oh, my word. And I read that he had 
lots of people telling him, let C-3PO go, and one of the people that was really pushing it was the actor that plays C-3PO. And at that point, like, that makes me mad. Yeah. And, like, breaks my heart because it's like, these are, these are the, like, this guy knows the character, like, and at the point where, like, you're stepping into something that is 40 years in the making and you have multiple people telling you, like, this would be a good way to wrap one of these characters up. And the character, the guy who's played the character, I mean, I know that actors, you know, it's like, okay, at the end of the day, the director's the director and, you know, he's got to, you know. Yeah. He's got to answer to more people than the actor does. But he's <laughs> arguably a C-3PO expert. Well, he just right. flat out I rejects mean, just, that insight. It's like that. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't. It was like you're not. If you're not. If you have so many people telling you you have to do it this way. And the fan base or the characters, you know, whoever is telling you that's not a, like that's not being authentic to the story. That's not being authentic to the character. That's not being authentic to what has been built. You know, not. That's not taking improv and growing it. Then maybe you should walk away. Like, I mean, if <laughs> but, you're going to walk into it and be like, well, my hands are tied in all these ways. And so I'm just going to do this. Right. It's like I would have preferred it to have been not finished. And like maybe somebody else takes up the mantle in a year or two rather than having this like thing thrown together that obviously had a lot of weird pressure being put on it because you end up with this product that everybody's like, what? Exactly. Like, I... nobody was fully satisfied with that product. Everybody had, like, why did he mess with the Force? Like, he's changing how the Force works. Or why is he destroying the Skywalker lineage? Like, what? Like, this this is a story about Sky, and now it's a story about Palpatine? What? Like, yeah. whatever it was, whatever it was. There were so many things. I mean, there's an argument to be made, and you've made it before, that Palpatine won. I don't one that's strong, but I think that it was like I think I was more upset about Ray saying Ray Skywalker at the end because that was just it was so unnecessary and it just it really it was not authentic to the story and so Palpatine winning I don't know I mean I mean you know she's the spawn of one of his clones I mean I don't know but yeah um, what's the significance of her. I mean, you don't have to explain like like why she says Skywalker at the end, so, but what's what's the implication of that? Why is it such so a big? Something like, that ah! I read was this meme was going around that was like, so we start with the Force Awakens and Rey is alone on a desert planet, lying to herself about her family, mm. and then we end Episode Nine and Rey is still alone on a desert planet, lying to herself about her family, like. I get what they were trying uh, to do is like the idea, like the legacy of Skywalker lives on in Rey. Okay. And that's fine, but she doesn't have to take on the actual name of it because the whole thing was like, oh, you're a nobody. Like you don't have any power in this because you don't have the lineage. You don't have the bloodline. You know, it's all about the, the mighty Skywalker blood. Yeah. You know? And Palpatine's and, the, like Darth Vader's boss in the, in the, in, yeah, in I mean, episode, he's always what, been around. Five? He's always been around. He's yeah. been there since, you know, episode okay. one. So he's not any sort of good guy. He's the big bad guy. Okay. And so it just... Like it did did the same thing. Like they ended it... They they didn't even do it the same thing. It was just like a worse version of the same thing. Like they didn't end it having people go, oh, wow, like this is a new beginning for Mm. the Jedi. You know, like because 
you know, there's lots of things about the Jedi Order that were flawed in the way that they were doing things like prequels, like, and then you get to the, you know, the Sith have a messed up version of as well. It's like two extremes. So we have the Jedi Order and the Sith. And then it's like, you could have brought it to Rey being this balance, you know, oh, Ooh, balance yeah. the force. and finding the good parts of both of those and not taking either side to the extreme. Mm-hmm. And so if she had ended it and just been, I'm Rey, then it's yes. like you get rid of like the Skywalker, like must bring like the balance and like the Sith are coming. And, you know, it's like, yeah, you would have just been like, this is what the force it's like the gospel. It's like, yeah, people are getting mixed messages about like, what is God? Like, what is he trying to do? Who's he? You know, and then Jesus comes, he's like, stop it, everybody. You're getting it all wrong. This like, this is what it is, you know? Yeah. <sighs> Not to make I'm it, here like, to you know, <laughs> clear things up for no, you, you know, <laughs> and only in right, that way, Ray right, is like right. And then the... so the Skywalker, like throwing in Skywalker, was very it was just tacky, I think, and mm-hmm. and kind of ruined the moment. Yeah. So it it sounds like one of <laughs> um, I guess one of the the issues with the Star Wars franchise is these different these different conflicts within the the development process it's it's, um directors kind of trying to counteract what other directors did and story points that are i don't know trying to mesh together and if we're talking about um just art in general Mm -hmm. and the uh i guess the 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 goal of the artist um, or the responsibility of the artist is to try and present something that's consumable in some way. And if the product is something that's trying to devour itself, then then ultimately the the I don't know the the art isn't really finished. It's at the very least disempowered. Right. Mm. Yeah. It's it it hasn't. It hasn't become what it could have been. I it, guess it didn't. It didn't fulfill its potential. Right, and I and I understand that it's like yeah, it, it still challenged me. It still did a lot of things that other movies that I love do. Right, it gave me some. It threw me some curveballs. It shocked me. It made me sad. It made me angry, but it did it in a way. That was that, that, that where I came away with an uncohesive message. Mm. I don't understand what I'm supposed to take away from all these feelings, from all of these events that I've seen these characters go through. When it's you, like passing off a mixtape as uh, an album. Right. Mm. Exactly. It's like. It's incomplete and it's disempowered and it's ineffective. Ineffective. Here's a question. So I saw just on one Facebook post a bunch of people saying that they were fine with it. Like, just... Liars! The movie ended. (laughs) Abrams paid them off! (laughs) And they were like, that movie was fine. Um, They probably liked the fifth season of Chuck. (laughs) which to my point i mean to my like to my wondering question um do you think that people who are satisfied with how 
the, the ninth episode ended, do you think they're not thinking deeply enough about the rest of the story and like the context of that ninth episode? Mm, I mean, that's a little, it's a little harsh, I guess, to say that I think that they're just not smart enough, basically. <laughs> well, it. just like haven't, <laughs> haven't gotten far enough into the story to be like, oh, actually, these things don't make sense, like you guys are saying. Or do you think it could be like, I'm satisfied with it and here's why? Let me give you and, an and having that reason be like deep enough, or like, I guess like equivalent in, in I will weight and gravitas. I will always disagree with True, them. but do you like, <laughs> do you imagine there's an argument on the other side that's like, this is why what Not happened a valid in the ninth one, episode but... is okay? <laughs> it very much equates to me, uh, for me, to the idea of me walking into a room. Mm, yeah, I get that. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, don't. <laughs> I do not have an eye for interior design. Mm. So if I walk I into a room and things are okay or things are sparse or things are immaculate or things are eclectic and purposeful and intentional and well-managed, how much I care about that and how much I notice that and how much that impacts my enjoyment of my time in that room is much less than somebody who cares more about those aesthetics, about that flow, about who has been trained to spot things like that. Like they have some kind of background training mm. in interior design. But just because that person might care more about it doesn't mean that it still doesn't affect me. Right. You can. Yeah. But but I can walk into a poorly designed room and be with great people, enjoy some great media, have some great snacks, food, beverages, whatever, you know, and let's throw a puppy in there, too. If there's a cool <laughs> puppy. Yeah. A great little lap dog. Sweetest things in life. I'm going to have a great time. I'm going to have a great time. I'm going to be like, I loved going to that person's house. You know, it was a one bedroom apartment, but man, we just had a great time with I the puppy. I love their yeah. puppy. I love their place. Right. Whereas somebody else is going to be like, I love that person and I like the time that we had, but dadgum, they got some serious work to do with their studio apartment. Okay. Like okay. serious work because the whole thing, none of it made sense. And I'd be like, I, I, had, a, I had a great time. I didn't. And then, and then they'd be like, did you see where the shelves were put? Right. <laughs> did you see where the shelves were put? And they're distracted by that too. Right? Did yeah. you see that he pulled the punch with C-3PO? <laughs> right? And it's like... He had a yeah. dog. I mean, I... <laughs> what about... Right? Star Wars needed a dog, I guess. Uh, All right. These metaphors are getting choppy. So, no, no. Let me, let, let, me, let, me, uh, let me bring it home. Let me bring it home, right? So okay. that, that the shelves, right? They match C-3PO not dying or dying matters heavily to some people. But some people are okay whether he lives or dies. They're like shelves on a wall for me. It doesn't make that much of a difference. Mm. I appreciate that the shelf is there. Okay. And so in the same way, it's like, I don't think that episode nine is bad for everyone, but I don't think that anyone can argue that it was well done, mm. that it was well designed, mm -hmm. that it was well executed. Objective. There's yeah. so much that is objectively disjointed yeah. about that movie in the context within the context of seven and eight yeah 
Well said. And what is nine without seven and also, eight? Also, can I just, can I, I mean, just, 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 look, give me this one. This right? is a place for hot takes. Go just for it. Just give me this one, right? You walk into like black and white, really like perfectly well-designed room. And then you throw like a polka dot, somehow cheetah rug at the same time. Like oh, something so really weird. Now. Exactly. Right? Oh, That's what Dominic Monaghan in Star Wars 9 did for me. It was I, I was like, wait, okay, but what? I want to cuddle with that Where? polka dot cheetah rug. Of course you want to. <laughs> but how much more cuddly would that polka dot cheetah rug been in if it had some, if, if it had some other supporting like, things around I, I, it, right? Wait, wait a second. Dominic Monaghan, not Dominic Gleeson. Right. Dominic Monaghan. he was weird in that, too. The whole time, I'm just like, I'm just Which seeing one? Tim from Who? About Time. The the oh, gi- the yeah. ginger twerp yeah. as, as he's called. I I couldn't Absolutely. I couldn't unsee Tim because he was just like he right. I he must not have meant to but he brought some awkwardness with him, mm-hmm. and it was fine. In I, you have to forgive me. Episode eight, I feel like whichever one had red sand in it. Mm, yeah. Yes. So like that that part where like something's supposed to happen and then it doesn't and then it's like supposed to be funny. Like that to me was the only moment that he worked in in as that character. Probably where <laughs> Poe is stalling. And like he's like I'm holding for Leia. Probably. And Hux is very confused. Something like that. Because I really like yeah. that moment with him too. Yeah. But then the rest of it is just like, how did you get this position? <laughs> <laughs> like. How did you ascend to this level of officership? Is he one of the producers? You're a dork. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say? Is he one of the producers? Oh, perhaps. Is he related to one of the producers? Uh. <laughs> well, but I, I mean, just to bring it around, it's like I think that some of the the, the directorial direction, maybe that sounds some really Some of the direction. Yeah. Some of the direction. That's not, that was You're just being clear that it's redundant. about the director's actions. Yeah. Some of the direction. Some Amber's of the direction fault. Was, was very clearly <laughs> different between seven and eight. He right. really, Abrams like really brought home, this guy is angry in seven about this character, right? About Hux. Hux is angry in mm. seven. He gives one of the most vitriolic speeches that we see within the whole Star Wars saga. And then they blow up several planets. <laughs> and then in eight, he's a goofball. He starts off and he gets this basic telephone prank pulled on him. And he yeah. doesn't get it. He has to have an underling explain it to him that right, he's being yes. taken. And then what happens, right, like, very soon, at, like, at the end of that scene, right, you bring the ba- big bad guy in, Snoke, larger than life, just his head fills the whole space, and we see Hux start to stumble over his answer for what just happened, and then you bring in slapstick comedy and have him force slam to the ground in a humiliating pose. So he takes this angry, angry, focused character in Seven, and turns him into a ragdoll for comedic relief hmm. in eight. And then what are you supposed to do with him in nine? Right. How do you... How do you so, combine those even? So what happens? He gets rid of him as fast as he can because he doesn't know what to do with him. Yeah. You took my angry guy and you turned him into a silly goose. <laughs> and now I don't know what to do with him, so I'm just going to kill him off. Yeah. Even his death was terrible, though. Like poorly done? Yeah, I mean, it was, I just, like, I I was sad. 
and mad and taken aback. Yeah. And you're probably and just supposed to be like, <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, again, this is all, I understand that there are things that directors change that they do differently than what I expect. I really enjoy. The epitome of this for me is the end of Return of the King. When... Well, isn't it the epitome of everything? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but when they come back, the of life. when they come back to, <laughs> to an intact, serene paradise of a shire. Oh, yes. It's so wonderful. Especially after that horrible scene in what is it? I think it's the, the two fellowship. Towers. It's the, the two towers. towers where it's just like burning and destroyed. Oh, then the fellowship. It is the fellowship. Sorry, yeah, was, okay. I thought you were talking about Saruman dying, but no, that was right no, I was but not. in a good way. But yeah, because I remember <laughs> as a kid watching that scene and being like, "Wait, what is happening?" And I think it was Brett who explained to me like, "This is just a vision of what could happen if things keep going this way." Although in the book, in the book, it does though, happen. It does happen. Oh, they shitty, come right? back. They <laughs> come back from Mount Doom having destroyed the 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 ring, and Saruman wasn't killed like he was in the yeah. movies. Mm. So he escaped, and he and Grima come and they take over the Shire, and it, you basically end up with that scene. So sad. It looks like that. And anyway, Grima ends up killing him in the end, like in the Shire. He still stabs him in the back. So they kept that, but they just moved it, and mm-hmm. they killed Saruman off earlier so that they could have that. Nice, serene ending. Right? So that so that scene, the the burning Shire scene, in the books happens in the Two Towers. You know, in the af, in the, the Return end. of the King, after <gasps> oh, the very very end. Terrible, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like okay, Tolkien. After so Aragorn and Arwen get married and everybody's happy, they come back to the Shire and they're hoping to like come back to their verdant paradise, and it's bleak and industrialized and that's how the book ends and ruled no well they find, i mean that's it's the, in the book it's but one they, of, yeah oh, final okay. i mean okay. it ends they well it but it's like but. you think everything's gonna be okay and then they come back and now there's more problems at the shop which yeah. is probably you know peter jackson for a variety of reasons felt like he should probably make that decision but maybe part of it was the movie was already four hours long yeah, right. True. People really want. Well, like, and did you know that the movie. book, the book was originally supposed to be one whole book. Yeah. yeah. But then it was. The, did you know this, Kyle? It was the depression, and they were like, "We can't afford this much paper at one time," yeah. <laughs> and so right they on. split it into three books. <laughs> and Tolkien was so mad, but it worked. So mm, <laughs> that's a great example for me. Like that's the that's the premier example for me of something that I understand why Tolkien wrote it the way that he did. Mm. It was very culturally relevant for him, and it still carries a great message. But at the end of that movie, I didn't want that. Yeah. I wanted what Peter Jackson ended up giving me. No kidding. And I watched that movie, and I just feel so good at the end. I feel so good. Yeah. And it's sad. There's still some tragedy, and there's some grief, and there's some heartbreak, and there's some loss at the end of it. And some people you have to live without. But And some people you have to live without. But... Ultimately, like it's spoilers. so happy. <laughs> it's so happy. Yeah. Right. It's optimistic. The outlook is hopeful. Yeah. You're right. That would be exhausting to come back in the movie to mm-hmm. a burning shire. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think, like that for me is what I want. Like that is the my answer to Kyle's original question. How much responsibility do creators have? to fans giving them what they want versus what they need 
getting all Batman on it, you know. Need. <laughs> and it's like, I don't need everything to work out fine. But what I do want and what I don't think I'm alone in wanting is I want some kind of cohesive story that ends with at least a note of hope. Yeah. And for me, there's no hope in Star like even at the end of Star Wars 9. Not only is it incredibly disjointed, I feel like, particularly in light of 7 and 8, but I don't have any hope at the end of it. Like, well, Ben Solo's dead. Yeah. All these other it's characters like are dead. And it's it. like, yeah, well, considering. okay, like, what's Poe going to do now? Like, he was a resistance general. Like, what's he going to do? Go, like, work as a stockbroker on the galactic <laughs> exchanges? Like, all right, dude. You know? And so it's like, well, okay. So in my mind, I'm like, well, Poe's going to probably pick up some kind of Star Wars equivalent of a cocaine habit. And, you know, and and what's Chewie going to do, right? Chewie is alone now. <laughs> R2-D2 and C-3PO are going to continue to fight forever. Forever. Yes, and R2-D2 is always going to be right. And R2 is always going to be right. And what is Ray going to do? She's going to start a new She's going to be a moisture harvester on Tatooine? Oh, I don't know, man. Like, what? 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 It, what just happened? Wait, is that really how it ends? That's really how it ends. Well, okay. She's like, let okay. me use okay. my Jedi powers. No, 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 no. Okay, but it's not It's not implied that she's, like, putting down roots there and she's going to, like, live on Tatooine. It's just she's it's she's, just, there. she's standing there with BB-8, which is weird because he's posed, but whatever. But what else oh. is she going to do? Where's yeah, she going to go? Weird. She's she... going to go back to the Jedi Island and die. That's... Somehow, wow. not better for me. It's not. But I, it's I like, wasn't trying to make it better. Let's just pile on more <laughs> terrible endings to she this terrible the ending. lightsabers, right? All the holocrons are gone. The the Jedi, the original texts for the Jedi Order are gone. She's going to bring back Ben. Thank there we go. <laughs> All right? Somehow. Don't know how it's happening because there's nobody anymore. Force no. resurrect. Oh, yes. <laughs> But do you see what I mean? There's nothing there that gives me hope. I can't see hope in there. And maybe that's just my jaded view of this whole episode nine shenanigans. But I was angry and sad afterwards instead of hopeful and fulfilled. Yeah. Ooh, I just thought of something. Let's back up for a second to the difference between the ending of The Return of the King in the book and the movie. Something I think a lot about is mediums, um, specifically when it was originally this and now it's going to be this and now that it's a movie, now it's a Broadway musical or the reverse of that. (laughs) Um, And I was just thinking about how you can tell completely... Well, what I usually think of is how you can tell completely different stories with completely different mediums like blue like jazz originally a memoir then they turn it to a book and it's just all these different collection of stories and then they turn it to a movie and it's this one like very linear story that only takes place in like one year of his life example two i can totally see how someone reading the return of the king isn't most people aren't going to read it in the span of they're not going to read it from beginning to end in one sitting or in one day they're going to read it over the course of lots of days before they go to bed, whatever. Years. 
yes, or years even. And so they have time to process all that's happening. And so if they get to the end of that, they get to the end of the book and they're like, oh no, then they still, you know, then the next the next few days that they're reading, they get to process what's happening. But if you're, you've already sat through in the theater, like two hours and 45 minutes plus two movies, bef- minutes, you know, yeah. over the like it's last four years, <laughs> you've already sat through two hours and 45 minutes of like some really hard stuff. If you get to the end, it would just be so hard. Right. People would leave. To do that. Absolutely. Yeah. And so it's like, I, you know, I have to, I've spent almost three hours with this really hard thing, and now I need something happy. Right. Whereas in the book, it it works. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, What what are we at? We're at 55? All right. We could go on forever, I think. Kyle. Yeah, I was just going to say. Kyle, I I feel like I finally got to say what I wanted about your question, but I'm not sure anybody else did, (laughs) particularly you. Yeah, well, I guess it's it's kind of interesting. So through this conversation, exploring some of the, the complexities of what it takes to actually build a franchise, it's it's not always, I guess, so simple as to be able to expect certain things mm-hmm. because at least in in our you know American context, the majority of, of movies and TV are going to be touched by many hands. And they're going to be influenced by many different things that are, you know, the, they're, they're not the, the brainchild of a single, of, a, of either a, a single group of writers who are like consistently working together cohesively or, or the product of a single person. So you naturally are going to end up with something that doesn't always flow super well, or at least you can't expect that that would be the case with so many people working on it. Mm. I mean, it's just, it's, it seems like it's just human like nature. It's fair to expect that the movie is going to be like a good story. Like, and yeah. if it's not, then you don't like the movie. You know, the movie doesn't do yeah. well. Which, by the way, this movie didn't do super great. Oh. But, um... I mean, just, don't get me wrong, we did better in Jungle Book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean. Because I, I understand what you're saying, and I think that's true. And I tried to go into each of them with... Like, keeping as many expectations off the table. Mm -hmm. Just because... And trying to go into it with open hands. Because I knew they were in a a tight spot with continuing this story that was beloved by so many. And and The Force Awakens was great. I mean, it it surpassed my hopes for what they were going to do to continue the story. And set up these really intriguing characters that I was immediately invested in even though spoilers <laughs> the love of my childhood han solo was eliminated from the story in that first movie it was devastating but these other characters that they brought in were well thought out and the dynamics that they created even just within that first movie was so intentional and well thought out and well done that it was, I was immediately drawn in and I wanted to know more about them, you know? And so, so he has the capacity to do it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Abrams and his team. (laughs) And so I think that having that and then looking at episode nine and being like, what, 
what did you do? Like, what happened in your life? That I mean, you know, like, <laughs> who hurt you? Whoa. Yes, <laughs> it was Ryan. Ryan hurt him. But um, Ryan the director, Ryan the, not yeah, Ryan, Ryan Johnson. Yeah, not this one. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. That's. That's, I think, is what the big thing is, is that I look at that and I go, okay, I know that you're really capable, Abrams, and I know that you really care a lot about this genre and, you know, I mean, what he did with Star Trek. I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, he's just, he's yeah. he's very capable of creating a intriguing um, storyline with characters that have depth and plot lines that make sense. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so it was just... I guess I went into it with those expectations that it would make sense and it would be well crafted, and it, 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 I didn't think and it, it was. wasn't. It did not. It was not. Yeah. Yeah, and I think those expectations are pretty normal to expect like a certain quality mm-hmm. um, from what you've seen prior to you know you you expect that mm-hmm. the same quality is going to be throughout, uh, if not mm-hmm. better, in the later installments. So yeah, that that definitely makes makes sense to to have those, um, but I guess from from the perspective of a creator, to to disappoint fans with something that I actually tried um, really hard on, uh, that's that's something that I don't have I don't have control over the experience. Of, of my fans if I'm making you know what I what I want to make um, but I think the the uh, the main point of this is just that there wasn't a single mind saying this is what I want to make it was mm-hmm. sort of like the the because because of the way that Star Wars has developed over 40 years and has been touched by many hands it's sort of been sort of like this this thing that's supposed to kind of it, it's sort of formed organically it seems like um and it's uh i guess the the organic growth of it was was sort of um i don't know it's drastically altered at the end where somebody didn't they play industrialized nice. it they didn't play nice well organic produce goes bad faster <laughs> well thanks friends before we go Kyle what do you want to know I want to know why Ryan has, has this, this unfinished look on his face <laughs> Ryan always has that look it's fine <laughs> Amy so what do you want to know about anything what do you oh. want to know just in general what do I want to know oh gosh I didn't know this question was going to be posed I'm sorry <laughs> I meant to tell you I should have figured <laughs> Do you know what you want to know? I do. I want to know (laughs) how and when Balut became a thing. Oh, that's the, like, pig baby, right? No, it's chick. So, like, partially developed chick. Yes. Right? And you eat the whole thing. Right. You eat the whole thing. Is that something... Outside of Filipino culture, see, and is I don't think I don't, I don't, Filipino? I don't know. I want to know. Okay, I think it's like almost strictly Filipino culture. Okay, right. I've never heard of it outside of the Philippines, and it's like this thing is so 
so odd in my mind and foreign to like what I'm used to. And it doesn't seem to be widespread. Like the first time I heard about blue cheese, I was like, why would you eat cheese that is actively <laughs> decomposing and going bad? <laughs> right. But so many people love blue cheese. Yeah. So many people love it. And eventually I got it. And I still can't get there with blue. Right. So Amy, what do you want to know? Wait, go back to Kyle. He already answered. Oh. I want to know. Granted, my answer wasn't <laughs> wasn't great. Yeah, okay. We'll come back to you, too. Okay. So, Amy, what do you want to know? I want to know why we couldn't have just kept Pluto. That's a great question. As a planet? That's a great yeah. question. <laughs> oh, because isn't it? What is it now? He doesn't meet the criteria. So they kicked him out. And I know basically nothing about celestial tech. I thought he was back now. Okay. Is he back? I think he's back, but like not maybe not oh. a full planet. He's like a dwarf planet, I Man. think. Man. I'll find out. Never. I wanna know more about Pluto. Alright. I wanna know his story. Okay. I'm <laughs> I'm imagining like a, like a, a Mickey Mouse film series where they kill off Pluto. <laughs> Oh, and then, and then he, he's back. And then he comes back. <laughs> because of Force Resurrection. Force, Force Resurrect. Resurrect. Because yeah. the actor who played Pluto said, I want to come back. <laughs> I, I, I think I should come back. <laughs> this is better because all I could think of was Eminem. And his, I don't even know what song it is, but where he's like, look who's back. Oh. Uh, That's the, the real, real Slim Shady. The real Slim is Shady. it the real Slim Shady? Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. So, Kyle, what do you actually want to know? I want to know if... How how many uh, how many geriatric skateboarders there are in the professional leagues? Ooh, good question. <laughs> I'm gonna go out on them and say zero. Just I'm just gonna. Hey, guess real quick. you never know. There are some. There are some. He said professional leagues. Uh, well, there's uh, true, true. Well, professional YouTube leagues, maybe. Professional Ooh. YouTube. All right, I'm in. Wow, this isn't is a very that, specific isn't there question. at least that one skateboarding grandma? I'm sure there is. Maybe I'm confusing her with a Skyrim. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>